With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players, the flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization. And you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to another edition of Q&A with your boy Q and me, Joe Arrigo. And this episode, we talk to you about, is hard knocks inevitable for the Raiders? Why is A.B. getting treated so much differently in the media compared to other people like Juju Smith-Schuster? Also, Derek Carr had an interesting point to make last week at OTAs. I want to talk about that with Q. But let's start off with the Raiders news of the last couple of days, actually. And that's the Raiders signing offensive guard, Richie Incognito. He didn't play last year. He retired, and he wanted to come back and play and didn't want to play in Buffalo. Bill said no, so he turns around and stays retired. And this year is able to come out of retirement, worked out for the Raiders, uh, supposedly looked really good. Uh, and the Raiders are kind of waiting to hear whether or not there's any type of league disciplinary action from some uh, arrests and some off-the-field incidents in Wicognito, who's no stranger to that cue, as you know. Obviously, the Jonathan Martin bullying scandal. He said racial slurs the players. The funeral home where he threatened to shoot up the place, and they caught him in a with a truck full of guns as well as something that just came out earlier this evening. Pro Football Talk is reporting that uh, Incognito pled guilty earlier in April to a previously unknown charge arising from punching a hole in his 90-year-old grandmother's living room and then ripping a security system off of the wall. I'm kind of torn on this from a football standpoint on the field at left guard. I think it's a really good fit. Um, he adds toughness, nastiness, a different type of streak to that offensive line. But as a person and personality-wise, I'm not a big fan of Incognito with, with a lot of the antics and actions and things that he said because, one, I don't feel that way. Two, I think it's morally wrong. And, you know, sometimes you just got to shut your mouth. And this is a guy that has a bad case of not being able to keep his mouth shut. No, he doesn't. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a he's a firecracker, man. I mean, he's a lot of issues. We all know that. He's really, really crazy. And, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those situations where I say crazy and I don't want anyone to think I'm saying that, like, just as a joke. I mean, because he's literally crazy. I mean, he literally has a lot of mental health issues, and we can't take that very lightly. And I'm hoping 
honestly, I'm hoping this, as a Raider fan, I'm hoping just from a, a standpoint of me being a, a civil human being, I hope that his mind is right. Because if this dude's mind is not right, he is everything that you just mentioned. Every single thing that you just mentioned, that is Richie Incognito and then some. I mean, he is he is a lunatic if his mind is not right. And so this is the biggest issue I had when it came to, are you going to sign him? Is he going to be you know, your left guard? What's going to happen? And when they brought him in for a, a visit a few weeks ago, he only worked out for about two to three minutes and they were convinced. Health-wise, as far as in shape, he was the dude. He's about... Mike Mayock's words about 10 years younger than he than he really is. You know, he looks about 10 years younger than he, he really is. So he's in great shape. They feel like he could be a real addition to the team. But again, most importantly for me, he's got to have upstairs okay. Because if upstairs isn't okay, I don't care what you do in life. You're not going to be all right. And you're going to cause a bunch of problems. And the Raiders don't need a guy to cause a bunch of problems. You mentioned the toughness. Yeah, he could bring the toughness to the team. And me personally, I'd like to say, hey, you know, get on that offensive line and toughen them up. But if you tell him to toughen them up, you probably have a Jonathan Martin situation that he had in Miami. And that is a problem. So you can't say, Richie, go toughen that team up. You have to kind of, you got to touch them almost with kid gloves. You know what I'm saying? You got to be very, very careful with what you say, how you say it, what you ask him to do, and, and, and how you ask him to approach things. And from... My point of view, I was a little on the on the fence about it until I listened to Mike Mayock's press conference immediately after they signed him. And the thing about it is he said that he has to go out there and earn his spot. He's got a yep. lot of things on and off the field he has to do. They have infrastructure already in place. He's meeting with, you know, certain people in the in the organization you know, immediately to make sure that his mind is right. And so he's got so many things that he has to do and he has to maintain that to me, it feels like on a veteran minimum deal and a one-year deal, if he could keep his mind right and stay on their guidelines that they want, then he'll be okay. But the minute he starts to get a little squirrely and starts to go a little bit left when he's supposed to be going straight, that's the minute they're going to say, okay, hey, we can't, we can't have you around here. We got to move on from you. Again, there's been a lot of things that he's gotten involved in, uh, a lot of racial stuff like you mentioned, a lot of bullying stuff like you mentioned, a lot of stuff with guns. I mean, he crashed his Lambo. He didn't broke up the security system at his grandmother's house. He didn't, uh, you know, try to talk about shooting up the place at a funeral home. I mean, the dude's nuts. The dude is absolutely nuts. And again, I say that without trying to be, you know, a funny dude, but at the same time, it just sounds funny because we know that's the truth. So hopefully for him, for his sake, even off the field, no joke, hopefully he's in a better place than he's been over the course of his career. But I've said it many times. It's very rare that Tigers change their stripes. So we'll just have to see on Richie Incognito. I'm on the fence, but I do think it's a very low risk, high reward type situation if he is right. It is a one-year deal. It's a show-and-prove deal. Show us your, you can walk the straight and narrow, prove to us, and there may be something down the road. Uh, regarding the Jonathan Martin thing, I may be in the minority. where I, I honestly think that it was kind of blown out of proportion by Martin, who has mental health issues of his own. Yeah, he does. And was arrested at, for going to a high school with loaded guns and threatening to kill people there. So, I mean, I and there always was saying that he was a real soft, personality and i think that incognito was trying to toughen him up now i don't again i'm not condoning bullying but i think the term bullying gets used way too often in life right now you know if they like for instance i know some people who don't like their football coaches yelling and cursing 
you know, or coaching up players because they feel it ruins the athlete's psyche, where I disagree with that. You can't have a bunch of people walking around that if they hear a loud noise, they get squirrelish and sheepish and start shaking and crawling up into a ball sucking their thumb. I'm sorry. This is the game of football. You have to have guys that are a little crazy, little batch crazy. And Incognito's that guy. I mean, look, you got perfect. You got Incognito. I jokingly was tongue-in-cheek like, hey, bring in Indomitian Sue to pair with perfect and have my unholy union. You know, you need those types of guys on the team, guys that aren't going to take any mess from people. A perfect example of a guy that I don't think he's crazy. In fact, I think he's He's a brilliant person. I've had the pleasure of speaking with him on numerous occasions, and that's Kyle Turley. I mean, this is a guy that ripped the helmet off of a player and threw it 15, 20 yards because of a skirmish going on on the field. People think Kyle Turley was crazy. No. In between the lines, he did what he had to do. He was a man amongst boys. With Incognito, I'm not saying he's that guy. You know what you get with him. The, Mayock knows what he gets with him. Gruden knows what he's getting with him. But if Mayock signed off on it, and this is the guy that Gruden went to Mayock and said he wanted, and Mayock went out and said, hey, look, we did our homework on this guy. I talked to people. I have my people talk to people. We got information, and we feel comfortable with this decision because we can't have a room full of choir boys, a team full of choir boys. He's 100% right. You can't have that. Your quarterback's already a choir boy, and and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. D.C. is a different type of guy, and – you got to have a certain breed around him to pr- protect him. That, that's your star. That is your franchise player. There's no doubt about that. So you got to have some guys that's not willing to back down from other players or if someone does something is willing to, at some point in the game, retaliate. They may get caught and get a penalty, but the other team knows, yeah, we can't mess with them because they got him on this side, and now they got perfect on the other side. Okay, we, now we can't take cheap shots. Now, I know certain Raider fans are going to question the team chemistry, the locker room chemistry. I don't know if this is going to create any issues because if, unless you've been in an NFL locker room, it's not like the offense and defense hang out all the time. For the most part, the offense hangs out together. The linemen kind of hang out together with the quarterback, and they all kind of do the thing. Defense hangs out together. Sometimes they don't even see each other unless they're on the practice field because they're in each, they, go to, they go to their meetings. They go to, they do their individual stuff. They come back in, and that's when they get their their time together. Um, and you see them as a team. Yeah. So I don't know if there's going to be any locker room chemistry issues, but I do think there's this is going to be there's interesting dynamics because I feel like there's two types of people, and I'll let you get to your point. I feel like on this team, you have guys that are there for this one year and are show and prove it, and then you have the guys that are the future of the Raiders in Las Vegas. And I think that's 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 where the kind of a divide will be in the locker room, kind of a split. Like, here's the guys coming to Vegas, and here's the guys that got to show they, they can play with us in Vegas. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I, that was the point I was going to, is that the fact that, you know, the Raiders drafted a lot of guys that were high-character guys. So I've, I've seen a lot of fans say, well, how can you go and draft a lot of high-character guys and then all of a sudden go ahead and, and sign Richie Incognito? And that's something that Colin Cowherd talked on uh, on The Herd as well. And this is a show that I don't watch that often, but I was off on Memorial Day. So I, I watched that. And then, uh, uh, of course, on Tuesday is when he dropped that, when Richie Incognito signed. He's talking about, well, they don't know what kind of game plan they want to do. No, I do think they have a plan, and I don't think that they have to worry about guys like Richie Incognito who are going on 36. I don't think they need to worry about him being a foundational player because he's not a foundational player. He is a plug-and-play guy. You know what I mean? He's a guy right now that's going to fill a hole. He's going to bring all that toughness and everything that you just mentioned to the table, and he's he's also going to bring a little nasty. 
He's going to bring a little nasty to it, and he's probably going to get flagged for a couple 15-yard penalties. And, yeah, there's a couple edge guys on the on the Raiders team right now. Again, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of Richie being on the squad. I'm definitely not a huge fan of Vontez Burfitt, but at the same time, I've said it a thousand times, and the minute Richie got signed, people tweeted at me immediately and said, well, Q always says, Choir boys and car thieves is what you need to win championships. Well, Richie Incognito, that's an absolute definition of a car thief. So, I mean, he's he is that dude. And again, if he's right, if his mind is right, this could be a really good signing for the 2019 season for the Raiders, maybe even the 2020 season, if he's in that kind of shape, if he's built like that. I mean, again, he's on a veteran minimum deal. Again, like you mentioned, it's a show and prove. Can you be that guy? Hey, if you are, maybe next year we'll bump up and pay. But right now, you got to prove that you can walk the straight and narrow and at the same time be an asset on the field. Two things that I noticed, and you mentioned the locker room and how you don't think it's going to be a, 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 a distraction or an issue in the locker room. Trent Brown, who is a free agent, big-time free agent signing, signed for a ton of money playing right tackle position. He came out and said the very first day of OTAs that Richie Incognito was there, he said, hey, you can feel his veteran presence here. You can feel his veteran presence. How in the hell do you feel his veteran presence there the very first day of OTAs? That means that Richie Incognito's already kind of taken that, hey, I know how to, this game walks or, or this game goes. Let me show you how it's done. You know what I mean? Like he's already kind of right. showing who he is which I think is major. And then Antonio Brown, as big as his personality is, he was asked about it after his uh, OTA meeting and, and had the media session. And he said, hey, man, he uh, he jokes a lot. He's really loud. Uh, you know, he's a veteran. He's out there having fun. He, he looks like he's just uh, happy to have an opportunity to be back out there on the field. That's two veteran guys that are high-paid guys that are going to be, you know, big-time people in the locker room. And they're basically signing off like, yeah. That's a that's 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 a good signing. We're glad to have him as a brother. So as long as they're happy with it, Gruden has signed off on it. Mayock signed off on it. They did their homework on it. Who in the hell am I to say no? He shouldn't be on the squad. So I'm okay with it. Just again, he's got to go ahead and it's almost like alcoholism. You know what I mean? Like you're an alcoholic no matter what. Even if you're sober for six months or six years, you're still an alcoholic. And and that one day where you snap might come. You know what I mean? So he's got to yeah. he's got to live that every single day and walk that walk and try to be on the straight and narrow. And if he can do that, he could be a hell of an asset for the Raiders moving forward. My biggest issue with Incognito, and I'm going to be completely transparent in what I'm about to say. I don't like the racial things he said. Right. That's me. Me, that is a very touchy subject, being that all of my children are mixed. I would say 95% of my relationships – from my ex-wife to my girlfriend have been with African-American women. I grew up in a predominantly African-American area of the city I grew up in. My brothers, the people I call my brothers, are African-American men. I'm part of African-American fraternity. So for me, that's a very sensitive subject, and that's what I don't like. But I will say this. There's no teammates of his other than Jonathan Martin that said Incognito has been a bad teammate. Right. They've all said he's been a really good teammate. He's, they call him a brother. So sometimes what the perception is publicly may not be what the reality is internally. There's that side of it. And, and then I'll go to one step further. We talked about him having some mental health issues. So somebody who's battled depression and anxiety uh, it was occurred about three years ago, and, it, and it's an everyday struggle at times. It's a battle. It is. You you wake up some days and you don't want to do anything. You're just down. And there's days you wake up and you're 100% normal how you were when you were 14, 15, 16 years old and you had no cares in the world. I can see 
where at times, you know, some little things will make him snap or him he's having a bad day and, and somebody at his size and stature, he can do a lot of damage no matter what. Now, the gun thing is scary. Honestly, I was young once, and obviously he's 36, I'm 42, he's six years younger than me, about six years younger than you, Q. I've punched a hole in the wall before being angry. I mean, I, I was about 23, 24 years old when I did it, did it in my house. You know, I got angry with something, and I snapped, and I punched one. That was the only time I ever did it, but it happens. We're not perfect. From us on the media side, who throw a lot of, of stones at glass houses, and sometimes we need to look in the mirror before we start throwing some things, to fans, to other players and, and people in organizations, nobody's perfect. And I don't want to hear, well, how come Incognito got a job and Colin Kaepernick hasn't? Yeah, I don't want to either. I don't want to hear that. That's not. It's not even the same subject. You know, it's not. You got a need position from the Raiders. He comes in, and you know what? A veteran presence means he's talking and communicating on that line. That's probably what it is. He understands the blocking scheme already, most likely. So he's able to quickly point things out to Colton Miller. And, you know, Hudson is already one of the top two or three centers in the league. Jackson's a vet. Brown is a vet. But you can you have that, something you won't have with a rookie or somebody else. So maybe that's what that is. But overall, from a personality standpoint, the racial things are the things that bother me the most about Incognito. But if I'm a Raider fan, I'm excited about this on the field if I can get past that because he brings everything the Raiders need at that guard position. He brings it, and he feels a huge need. Now, to me, the only position left that I think is a need that I would like to see them upgrade is the tight end position. But that's another story for another show. He feels a veteran need right now. And quite frankly, let's wait and see what he does. He could have a great year. Keep in mind, folks, in 2017, he was a pro bowler. He was an all-pro. Exactly. And that was his last year in the league. And that was at 34 years old. So if he looks better, he's moving around fine, and, and he keeps his nose clean and head on straight, the Raiders have a steal with, with him as a veteran leader on that team or a veteran on that team and, and provide some type of leadership to the line. And we'll see if there's any league discipline coming forward for him for anything dating back to – what happened at the funeral home or the issue, the instance now that he pled guilty with punching a hole in his grandmother's wall as well as um, tearing out a security system. We'll see if any of those things come into play and the league gets involved. They may not. You know, there may, there may not be any discipline. So we'll wait and see. But overall, I think you have to give Mayock and, and Gruden some type of credit and give them some leeway right now because – they're doing what they feel is best to put out a winning team right now. They're actually trying to compete this year, not sit back and build for 2020. They want they want to compete now because when 2020 comes, they really want to make a run deep into the playoffs. No doubt about that. A, a thing, another thing to point out is that he might not make it out of training camp. You know, what I mean, who knows? Yeah. He might not make it out of training camp. If one, if he's not right, he's not gonna he's not gonna do what they want him to do. And if he doesn't do what they want him to do, Mike Mayock made that perfectly clear that he has a lot of responsibilities to do on the field and off the field. He's not even guaranteed the left guard position. Now, I do think he's the best left guard on the on the roster, so I would give him the the heads up and the and the thumbs up like okay, he's going to be that dude, but he's got to go out there and earn it. So, that's a that's a whole nother story. I mean, if he can't live up to his side of the the bargain as far as what he needs to do, his responsibilities like make Mike Mayock said off the field and on the field, then one he won't be on the roster. The other thing about it is, and when you're talking about the you know, the racial stuff, that bothers me as well. Obviously, being a black man 
saying that I was, I don't want to hear anything that's racial, racially motivated or any of that. But I will say, and I don't know this because I wasn't there, and I don't know Richie Incognito's background. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he grew up. I know where you grew up. I knew where I grew up. And I know where I grew up. There was a lot of white boys that dropped the N-bomb all the time. But they dropped it because they were the homeboy. You know what I mean? Like, right, look, don't right. let's not get this twisted. I mean, I come from a hip hop community, and there's a lot of white cats in the hip hop community. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully. I'm just saying there's a lot of white cats that can walk up and be like, "Hey, what's up, my?" You know, and just drop it because that's all they know. That's where they're from. I'm not saying that that's Richie Incognito. I'm not trying to make an excuse from him, but I don't know what the context was that he was saying it. I was if I was there and I heard him say it disrespectfully to someone, I okay. But if he also was saying it like he was just cool because he's always been around the bros and that's how he talked, then that's nothing. I don't know. I've never spoke to him. I don't know his walk of life. I don't know any of that. And again, not trying to make an excuse for him. But unfortunately, in 2019 and 2018 and hell, since wherever, you know, think about whatever day you want to think about. That's that's how that's how it's always been. That's how it's always been. There's always been folks that have had or not had, but have felt that they got the okay to say whatever they want to say because, oh, I'm cool with so-and-so, or those are all my people, and that's who I grew up with, that's all I know. You know what I mean? Again, not saying it's okay, but that's just the way it is. Well, it's like where I grew up and with all my people and, you know, frat and everything else. They're like, bro, you got got a pass. You got... Like nah, like I I don't me I won't say it. But that's you won't me. say it, right? Exactly. But but they yeah. say that you got a pass, but you, you won't yeah, say it because right. that's not in you. That's yeah, that's not that's not what my heart pumps. Right, so, exactly. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it, you know, you and I see and I hear it now, especially with the younger generation. Yep. Not to get off the subject, but younger generation that from all races say it like it is me calling you bro. Exactly. And I'm, I look around like, are you kidding me? Like, if you're my son, my sons, again, they're mixed, and I know they say it. I've heard my son say it on the football field. I heard my son say it. He's a recording artist, and I hear I heard him say it in his lyrics. Okay, like, you know, hey, guys, you, know, you never heard that word in our house. Right. I made sure they understood the origin of the word and what it really meant. And a lot of people don't do that. Again, it's way off the subject, but if his head's clear, and I hope it is for his own sake and his family and friends, let's be real, because mental health issues are no joke, not just away from what he can do on the field, but on the field, if his head's clear and he's balling out, I think the Raiders have one of the better offensive lines now. I agree. Colton Miller stays healthy. Yep. And they need that offensive line, quite frankly. In fact, Derek Carr needs that offensive line. Because with that offensive line not playing well, he's a guy that's going to piss off a lot of fans. He's probably going to get in, you know, piss off Gruden a little bit, and he's going to be going down like he has in years past. But we've seen what he could do a few years ago when he had a good offensive line and he was able to stay upright. He was an MVP caliber type quarterback. He, he had a season that he was mentioned as an MVP. And after the first day of OTAs, um, we're going to play the clip in a second, he admitted to – Hearing the noise from the media and fans and other people about them potentially them being the Raiders potentially drafting a quarterback or trading him, moving on from him, and this is what DC had to say, and I find it very interesting. Let's play the clip. It uh, honestly it got annoying after a while because I'm like, like literally they don't have nothing else to talk about, and I didn't help the situation, I'm trying to challenge people to fights. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but to be honest with you. Uh, I should I shouldn't have said nothing, but um, to be honest with you, uh, it was like, man, I, the owner, the GM, the head coach, and the quarterback. I don't know about other places, but here, 
we're all on the same page. I, I talk to all four of those guys, all three of those guys all the time. They tell me good, bad, and ugly, like we are always on the same page because that's what our team needs. That's what the good organizations do. And so from the beginning, I, I'll say it this way, man. We had, I talk, met with all of them, talked with all of them. When I watched the draft, there was like negative 47% chance that they were going to draft somebody in my mind. Like, like it would just, uh, sorry, I mean, I'm not trying to, hopefully those guys didn't have their hopes up, but you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't going to happen. And they, they pretty much said that literally every time it even came up, if it even came up. And uh, we're not just planning for this year. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly going to be here a long time. And so I hope, hope that's okay with you guys. But uh, you got to get used to me. When he said, I talked to the owner, the GM, and the head coach, and we're all, we've all been on the same page, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here not just this year but the foreseeable future. To me, that's in Derek Carr's way, nice way of saying F you to all you people that want me out of here because I'm not going anywhere. This is like him taking his swag level to two or three notches above where it was, something that the fans may not see but teammates may see. He is passionate in what he said about this is his team. He's the quarterback. And he also said to OTAs that he thought he had a grasp of the offense in year one. But now in year two, he, is, he, has, he has a more defined and better understanding of the offense, which I think is going to be dangerous with the weapons around him. But for him to go and say what he said about you know, being the quarterback long-term, that's his way of saying F you to everybody that's doubting me and thought that they were drafting a quarterback because you had no idea what the hell you were talking about. Agreed, 100%. You know, and I, I do like that stance that he took. And regardless of what it really means in the background, regardless of what John Gruden and Mike Mayock are thinking or possibly thinking, I think that that's the only approach he could have taken. You know, he had to come out and he had to take that stance and let it be known that, hey, I'm the guy. I am the dude. I'm going to be the quarterback here as long as I want to be because I am the best quarterback that this franchise could possibly have or even want. So, yeah, I, I love the fact that he said that. I love the fact that he's going into the second season under John Gruden's offense with a better understanding he feels like he's light light years ahead and, and that's good and he's got weapons around him so he feels like he's in a great position we all saw as fans what he did in the second year under Bill Musgrave's offense and I'll tell you right now Bill Musgrave's offense isn't nothing to write home about I, I would say that John Gruden even being removed from the league for 10 years his offense is probably a, a lot better and <laughs> you know what I mean and a lot more precise than yeah. than Bill Musgrave's offenses so I feel pretty confident if he's going into year two and he feels good about what he's got going on, plus he's got weapons around him, plus he's got protection. You know what I mean? I, I feel like he's got to, as the quarterback, feel really good about it. Now, we could talk about it on paper. We could talk about it in training camp. We could talk about it in, in mini camp and OTAs. He's ultimately got to go out there and do it during the games. I mean, that's what is going to really matter, and, and that's when it's put up or shut up time, and whatever he said during the offseason is not going to matter. But for right now, in May... I feel really good about the attitude and the approach that Derek Carr is taking to the quarterback position headed into 2019. Me personally, I love the attitude that he has regarding this. I think it is exactly what you want out of a quarterback. You want that alpha male to come out. I talked to some people who felt the opposite. They think it was a bad look for Derek because they said it looks like he has rabbit ears and he's sensitive. So, there, there is, there is those Man. people, but I think those people are the same ones that were saying that they wanted him gone or said he was going to be traded or they're going to draft a quarterback. Which, quite frankly, I don't think they were going to do. Man, but I, I think the Raiders. 
I let, I let a lot of things go when, you know, people talk and someone says mess about me. I let a lot of things go. But at some point, I'm going to fire back, too. And, and that's just because I, I know my role. I ain't got to fight every fight. And I think that at some point, Derek Carr has to step up and say, you know what? Damn it. This is my team. This is who I am. And have a little bit of edge to him. I'm okay with a little bit of edge. Now, if he's popping off and doing it all the time and, and really kind of looking like Kevin Durant where he's really, really sensitive about everything, then I, 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 I get that. But for the most part, man, most people complain about Derek Carr being too, oh, well, um, we're getting better. Or, oh, it's on me. It's my fault. And not, you know what I mean? And not having a little edge to him, not calling people out, not getting in uh, players' faces when they run the wrong routes or give up on routes. Instead, they're like, oh, well, why didn't he get that angry approach? Now he gets an angry approach and it's like, oh, he's showing like he's too sensitive. Man, what do you want? You want the guy to be tough. You want the guy to be soft. You want to be, what, what do you want? So I, I'm fine with DC uh, having that approach, at least that time. Now, if he pops off all summer long and you know what I mean, then, then okay. Now I think it's a routine, but if that's just how he felt and he wanted to go ahead and, and uh, you know, let it be known, especially the, to kick off OTAs like he did. Totally fine with what he said. I think that a little bit of Gruden is rubbing off on him. Like honestly, yeah, when true. you close your eyes and listen to Russell Wilson talk, you hear Pete Carroll. They talk identical. They talked in. They talked in sync. When Mike McCarthy was there, Aaron Rodgers. When you close your eyes, listen to Aaron Rodgers talk. You're Mike McCarthy. Um, you name the Drew Brees and Sean Payton. You hear that. Now you're starting to hear that with with Gruden and Carr. What I want to point out, I mean, to say now that the draft is over, the Raiders are playing games publicly with teams. You don't think the Raiders were purposely leaking that they wanted to draft Kyler Murray so Arizona wouldn't trade back and think they could get him at a later spot. You don't think the Raiders would leak that they really liked Haskins and they really they thought he was arguably the best quarterback in the class and they were considering him out for if they didn't think the Giants or another team would want to jump up and take him, Washington, for instance. The draft is – misdirection, smoke and mirrors. You don't think that the Raiders are planning that stuff with certain people. As someone that gets information from teams and from, from GMs and agents and scouts and, and other people affiliated with the team, they purposely give you stuff, and they, they will let you know pretty much, yeah, this is, I need you to put this out. This isn't necessarily true. And you put something out there because it is to test the waters. It is to see if a team like the Giants get desperate and want to jump the Raiders to take a Haskins or maybe even trade up with the Raiders and the Raiders get more picks or the Redskins or whomever it may be. There's, and then there's troops like teams that are trying to trade up for specific guys. I had no doubt in my mind the Raiders at four drafted the guy they wanted to draft unless Bosa slipped. In my mind, that's the guy they had penciled in, ready to go, in, in Cleveland Farrell, and – they just said, you know what, we're going to take our guy out for it no matter what. They, they took draft day's approach, and, and it was draft Cleveland Farrell no matter what. And you can't blame them for it. For Carr, that shows Carr, look, we got your back. We're riding with you. And then how many times did Mayock come out and say the quarterback isn't the problem? Right. The, you know, he said it repeatedly. Nobody wanted to listen to him. Nobody wanted to believe him. But he was pretty transparent with that publicly. Yeah, they're going to look at quarterbacks. I have a coach that loves quarterbacks. Now, of course, we're going to do our homework on all the quarterbacks. They need to. Every team does. But our quarterback isn't the problem. Nobody believed Mayhawk, and they thought he was blowing smoke up their butts, which was the furthest thing from the case. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's funny because he put that out there and everyone thought, oh, they're just trying to, you know, they're trying to be, uh, they're trying to like throw you off the scent or whatever. You know, they're trying to act one way and then do something else. And, you know, and they started talking about different things that John Gruden said over the past. And no, they're absolutely right. You know, and, and Derek Carr wasn't the problem. I mean, again, he didn't have the greatest 2018. I mean, statistically, his numbers look pretty good, but I'm talking win losses and, and, and clutch moments. I mean, he, he wasn't very clutch, but he didn't have a lot of weapons around him. He didn't have hardly half a team around him. You know, a lot of it, after Khalil Mack got traded, a lot of the steam out of that whole building was gone. I mean, it, it, it really was. And so, I mean, that was a that was almost one of those throwaway years where, okay, uh, we're going to figure out who's going to be here, who's going to play in 2019, who's going to be a part of this team, and uh, then we're going to move forward. And so, I mean, you kind of almost got to throw that out of the door and then just see what they do this year. But, again, man, it's, it's one of those situations where you just got to kind of feel it out. You know what I mean? Just feel it out. Derek Carr's going to feel it out. He knows that there's a lot riding on this year. I mean, and he'd be stupid not to. And again, going back to your point, that's why they do all the homework on those quarterbacks because they want to see. They want to see what these guys are all about. They're supposed to see what all these guys are about. You don't know if they're going to make it with this team. You don't know if they're going to be in a Josh Rosen situation where all of a sudden he gets traded one year later. I mean, and, and John Gruden is a big quarterback guy, but something that we talked about on this show before, when's John Gruden ever been a real big fan of a young rookie quarterback i mean never i don't think he ever has yeah. exactly he's always been a veteran quarterback guy so for anyone to think that he was just going to go ahead and move on from Carr and bring in a quarterback uh, a rookie immediately and just go ahead and, and throw him in there under the fire that was insane because he's never ever done that if you look at his track record he's never done that he's won with veteran quarterbacks so uh yeah i mean again they went out there and they did a lot in free agency to make the offense better and in in uh, the draft, they did a lot of things that tried to help and improve the defense. And so that's exactly what their game plan was. That's how it shook out. And now we just got to see what they do, you know. And, and Cleveland Farrell is obviously going to have a lot of pressure on him because he was the number four overall pick. He was the first guy they drafted. And, you know, we'll see how, how he does. But I feel pretty confident about what they did in the draft. And uh, I think I like the guys that they got. And, and I think they're going to shake out pretty well. But, again, they got to do it on the field, man. It's easy to talk about it on paper, but they got to do it on the field. May I compared Farrell to Chris Long, Howie Long's son, who just retired. Right. Had a fantastic career, won a couple of Super Bowls. You would take that if you're a Raider fan. You know, you would you would take that type of career. And if it's 12 years and he's averaging between 7 and 10 sacks a year, some years 7, some years 10, some years, again, 7, another year 13. Like, when it, when, when it comes out, and let's say that's what it is, that's a very productive career. And if he plays 10 years at 10 sacks, that's over 100 sacks, 100 sacks. I really think that they, they did well with Farrell, and, and he brings an intangible to the team that I don't think other players that were mocked there brings in terms of leadership, accountability, uh, vocal leadership, being in the weight room and the, putting in that work. And I think you're going to see that, that defense improve off of that and I think with Carr taking this stance now, he's basically stamping his role in the offense. And if you look at some of the some of the video coming out of training camp from MJ Acosta, um, Scott Bear, Vic Tafer, you know, you look at those what you're seeing at at training camp, you're seeing Antonio Brown one handballs. You're seeing you're seeing mm-hmm. Carr drop dimes over the defense. That's stuff that you weren't you weren't really seeing last year because. Guys weren't separating. Guys were dropping balls. You know, Carr looks really, really good, looks really comfortable, and that is important. And to have the weapons around him, 
for him to make those throws now that's only going to get better as the season goes on, I think Carr is poised to have a very, very big year. Yeah, he is. And, again, he's got to have have uh, time to be able to throw him deep. You know, that's the thing. He didn't have time to even stretch the field in 2018. He was always on his back. So a lot of people got mad about the dinking and dunking and, oh, he's always dropping the ball off to Jalen Richard. And, yeah, I mean, that gets frustrating and, at times, but it also gets frustrating when you're running for your life. And so that's why the, the Raiders have improved the offensive line, bringing in Trent Brown. And, look, this guy started out right now as the right tackle. He's the most expensive right tackle in the league. That's fine. If things don't work out with Colton Miller on the left side, guess what? Trent Brown's going to slide right on over there he is very versatile he could do both sides of the of, of the ball it doesn't really matter right side or left side it's all good and then you know if richie incognito does shake out all of a sudden you have a guy that is another dog you know at that position so yeah they're trying to give him opportunities because now they do have the guys they have antonio brown they have tyrell williams they have guys like hunter renfro i mean they have guys that can make plans and i mentioned hunter renfro because i think he's going to be a real sneaky guy for the raiders in 2019 i think he's going to be a guy that a lot of people need to watch out for because no he won't stretch the field no he's not going to go and get you the home run ball but he's going to every time you need a catch he's going to give you a catch and so that's that's something that i'm very excited about but those two guys and ab and tyrell williams those guys are going to consistently stretch the field defenses can't double team both you know you can play a, a safety over the top to to shade ab and then you leave tyrell williams wide open and he's got speed to kill you know and so that's a yep. that's an opportunity right there and uh you know who who knows what you do with the rest of the uh, the weapons that you have and then you have a guy like josh jacobs catching passes out of the backfield you got Jalen Rashard who can still catch bas- passes out of the backfield there's a lot of different options that the raiders have now with the personnel that they have and that's why i think that the guys that they were able to pick up during the draft were so key because they all kind of fit into this puzzle you mentioned way earlier in this show the only thing that you were kind of concerned about on the offensive side of the ball is a tight end that's the only concern i have as well and everything i've been hearing out of otas right now is that darren waller looks really good but he's doing it with no pads on and nobody's hitting them and it's in OTA so he's got to be able to get better get better get better I would love to see a really good veteran in front of him that you know is reliable like a Jared Cook but they don't have that guy so uh, right now it's like it's the Darren Waller show I agree in fact let's do this let's take a quick break and we were touching on Antonio Brown let's come back and talk about Antonio Brown and his role with the media as well as potentially a hard knock in the Raiders future this is Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Rigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Okay, last segment, we talked incognito. We talked about D.C., basically telling everybody who doubts him FU, watch me ball out this year and go and years going forward. Now we talk about Antonio Brown and Q, we both work in media and it just seems like the media is paying extra close attention to Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Suster and it seems like no matter what Antonio Brown does 
or says, it's always going to be scrutinized. For instance, um, Ben Roethlisberger issued an apology on the first day of OTAs, which Antonio Brown was excused from being that. He didn't have to go there. The Raiders knew he wasn't coming day one. They knew he'd be there day two. But Ben Roethlisberger issues, you know, maybe I could have done things differently. And, you know, I apologize. You know, I shouldn't have said this about what happened in Denver about Ralph. And then Antonio Brown put two-face. Okay, you know, and then that made more news than what Ben did. And then let's fast forward to on the 29th. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster Snapchatted out. And mind you, I love Juju as a person, as a player. But Juju Snapchatted something out at a Steelers event where the crowd was chanting F-A-B. And it kept going on, and Juju wasn't inciting them or, or telling them to continue to do it, but he was showing the crowd, and he flipped the, the screen to himself, and he was laughing, and it looked like he was enjoying it. If that was Antonio Brown, that wouldn't be well-received, and that would probably be one of the lead stories on SportsCenter or the local news channel. You know, why is Antonio Brown doing this? Good Morning Football would be analyzing it. It just seems like, and, this, and I'm not saying this is the case, but this is from me looking inside of everything and from the outside looking in. I tend to think the media right now is really trying to take as many unnecessary shots at Antonio Brown, in part because the Steelers are who they are and how they're looked upon. And I think the Raiders are still looked upon a little bit differently with certain media members. And they love the pile line just because it's the Raiders and it's Antonio Brown and everything that happened this offseason. They're trying to prove that Antonio Brown is the bad guy. They want to prove that Antonio Brown is a bad guy. Simple as that. They want to prove that all the issues in Pittsburgh were on him and Le'Veon Bell because, well, Big Ben is still there and, and Mike Tomlin is still there and he's got Big Ben's back and they're, they're going to move forward and they got Juju and that's all good. But, yeah, everyone really is just waiting for A.B. to be A.B. in their mind. And, look, I'll tell you right now, as a Raider fan, I was very skeptical when I knew that, that A.B. was available. When I knew that he was going to be traded, I thought, man, I don't know if the Raiders want that kind of kind of guy in the locker room because one I wasn't very familiar with who he was as a person I knew who he was on the field but I didn't know who he was as a man and uh, a lot of people took a lot of different interviews that he did including the one he did on ESPN with Jeff Darlington when he had the blonde mustache and he was in his home and all that stuff and he was down there in Miami and he was talking they said oh my god the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top, top floor this guy's an idiot he's stupid uh he, he's out of his mind he's he's out you know all this good stuff that interview right there for me told me all I needed to know about Antonio Brown. He was a guy from the slums that wasn't supposed to make it, that didn't have any kind of expectations for himself. And, uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't given any kind of big-time scholarship offers to go to any kind of big-time school and be somebody. He, he went there. He proved that. Wasn't supposed to be nobody when he made it to the league. He was a late-round draft pick, I believe the sixth round, and uh, ended up being a, a number one dude. And so, yeah, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he's got something to prove. Yeah, he's got an ax to grind. He's got a lot of things that motivate him that might not motivate your average dude. And so I totally understood where he was coming from. Do I think some of his antics may have been a little off and he probably could have handled it a little better? Absolutely. But again, when you come from the area and the zone and the and the kind of mentality that he's had to deal with growing up as a youngster to who he is right now, I don't blame him. So I really took a different approach when it came to Antonio Brown. And now he's kind of living that out. You see when he showed up to, to the Raiders uh, organization when he signed his contract, you know, the blonde mustache was gone. He was all business. He was ready to get to work. He's out there practicing. He's got something to prove. As much as they want to prove he's the bad guy, 
He wants to prove who he really is. He's talking about, and he just put out an Instagram video, I believe, earlier today, talking about the uh, only thing that I got on my mind is, uh, is, is catching Jerry Rice. Is catching Jerry Rice. That's a hell of a goal. If you don't accomplish that goal, who cares? You're still going for the GOAT. I mean, Jerry Rice is the dude. If you can get even close to catching up to Jerry Rice, you're the dude. So, I mean, that's what he's doing. He's got that, that, that eye on the prize. He's out there trying to prove who he is. He's ready to turn this organization back into something that, that it was many, many moons ago, and he thinks that he's got the, the right tools around him. He thinks he's got the right head coach. He thinks he's got the right quarterback. He thinks he's got the right people around him. I mean, he said in his, in his media session the other day, we're, we're bringing the juice. We're bringing the juice. I'm ready for it. Right. You know, he's bringing that sick work ethic that everybody doesn't have. You can't teach work ethic. You either have it or you don't. But when you see a guy out there as as good as he is and already, uh, I mean, he don't have to work hard. He can go out there and just basically uh, go through the motions and just say, hey, I'm ready for the game. I'm ready to go out there because he's already earned that. But that's not who he is. He's out there busting his tail. So if he's doing that, all these other guys that come in and follow him behind him are going to do that as well. Well, if AB's doing it, I got to do it as well. So that's going to put pressure on these younger cats to go out there and be the very best they could be so i'm excited with what he brings and yeah he he knows that he's being vilified and that's fine you know pittsburgh Steelers fans are super angry the media they're they're just waiting there you know they were mad because he didn't show up to otas they were talking bad about him he didn't show up to the first day of otas he was in court in pittsburgh i mean and then he's been there every single day after that but they lumped him in with Lev Bell. They lumped him in with Odell Beckham Jr. They lumped him in with everyone who hasn't showed up. Tom Brady who hasn't showed up. Guess what? Tom Brady doesn't show up. Nobody has a problem with that. Nobody has a problem with that. Well, he does it every year. Okay. But Antonio Brown is, is, is there after one day. He missed one day because he had to go to court. And we all know. Let me tell you. We all know. If you don't go to court, there's a problem. You're going to miss more than one day if you don't go to court. So he went and handled his business responsibly. And now he's been with the organization every single day, busting his tail, getting better every single day. So, yeah, it's it's I'm not going to say a witch hunt because I hate to use that phrase. But, yeah, they're out there. They're trying to get him. They're trying to, to, like I said, prove that he's the villain. And he's out there trying to prove that he's the dude. And like he told Big Ben or he told some, I think he said somebody to a media person on Twitter when they were talking about Big Ben made a B. He said, well, then trade me and see what happens. He's trying to yeah. prove that he is the guy. All right, he's been traded. Now he's in Oakland. Everyone can't wait for him to fail in Oakland, and, well, he just walks away with a bunch of money. No, nah, he's going to show who he is and why he received that lump sum of money and, and what he's going to do for the organization. So, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be fun to watch him prove what he's got to do because I don't know about you, but I know me, and when someone tries to back me into a wall like that and prove that I'm not worth what they think I'm worth, I'm going to show and tell. I'm going to show and, and show my ass a little bit and be a little bit on that edge and be like, okay, guess what? I'm going to show you what I can do, and I'm going to take it to a whole nother level, and now you're going to have to really deal with the bad guys. So that's just me. That's how I get down. That's how my that's how my radio career has always been fueled. By the guy that doubts me, that's the guy that I'm ready to go out there and prove it and then prove it on a whole nother level. Well, that's just me in life. I mean, exactly. I've always been. I mean, I'm not like I'm. I'm tall. I'm you know five five. True, you're not five five and a half six five. Yes, I am five five. <laughs> on a on a good day, I'm five six. You but said that like that's tall I'm though. Wearing. I'm five five. Okay, I'm five six. Okay. <laughs> well, as I'm saying, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I've always been growing up playing sports. I didn't realize I was short until when I got into college. To tell you the truth, I mean, even lining up against other receivers in high school, or lining up against other DBs, or playing baseball or basketball, I never looked at my size as a limitation. But I always had a big chip on my shoulder because everybody would thought, oh, look how short he is. But I'm out there killing people. And when I have my career 
after college and then even in radio, like how is this guy all of us like you, people that doubted me, I, I, I show my ass. Like, honestly, I show my ass. I talk and I will continue to talk and I will put it in your face where you're wrong to the point to where it's like, it makes you hate me. And I don't have a problem with that. Um, the very next breath, when it comes to AB, it just, to me, it just seems like everything he does, people feel they have to comment on. Like, like, okay, he didn't show up to OTAs day one, but like the day or two before OTAs, he had every receiver on the roster out working out with him in Oakland. Like, no one talks about that. He had the entire receiving core from veterans to rookies with him training in Oakland before he flew to Pittsburgh to go to court. But no one wants to talk about that. He's in constant communication with the Raiders. They, I have court this day. I got to go do this. Cool. It's OTAs. Go take care of it. We'll see you when you get back later tonight. That's what happened. It wasn't a big deal. For me, I think a lot of it is Steelers PR because if you look at the Steelers, they're the golden boys for the most part. I mean, no one talks about when Pouncey was there or Marquise Pouncey and the things that, that he has going on, um, you know, and the things that he's done in the past. You know, no one talks about uh, the other players that have been there or how the Steelers have done other players. They always make it sound like the Steelers are, are – or the organization, well, and I'm not going to pile on the Steelers right now, but I just want to point out a lot of the older Steelers, where was the organization when Mike Webster needed him the, needed them the most? Joe Gilliam. Other guys like that. Where, where, is, the, where is that organization and how, how they have their players back and how they're a, such a proud organization that takes care of one another? Where were they for those players? Like, I don't know. So, right. so please, if you're a Steelers fan, tweet me and tell me. Because as far as I know, the Raiders take it. If you're once a Raider, always a Raider. They take care of. You could have played one snap, you're still a Raider. They're going to take care of you. Yep, absolutely. They, they look they look out for their own. They make sure that, that their families are taken care of. So I don't want to hear that. The Raiders are vilified for actions on the field. And Al Davis, what Al did – to Pete Rozelle fighting, moving, and litigation regarding certain things. But yet, who was the first coach to hire an African-American, the first owner to hire an African-American coach, hire a woman to run to be, a pre, to be the president, hire a Hispanic head coach, um, have a Hispanic quarterback? Yep. Like, it, it wasn't the Roonies. No. It was Al Davis. He, I think he was the first one to bring in players from HBCUs as well. Yep. Historical black college universities. So this shouldn't be the Rooney rule. It should be the Al Davis rule. Yep. But because it's Al Davis and it's the Steelers, the perception is, oh, well, we're going to go with the Golden Boys and not, not the nomads of the NFL. So I think a lot of it has to do with Steelers PR. And let's be real, Q. I, I'm tired of – Pittsburgh people talking about AB and AB having to respond. AB's a Raider. Let him let him talk about being a Raider. Exactly. Let him talk about this final season in Oakland, and let him talk about moving to Vegas and playing in Vegas, and let him talk about catching Jerry Rice. Because look, it was funny the other night I was talking with Scott Winter on the phone. We were, we were going over some stuff, and we we're talking about how how the Raiders are going to use certain players and and whatnot. And I said this. 
I think Antonio Brown is going to be used a lot like Tim Brown was for the Raiders. Now, he plays more like Jerry Rice. He's got that same type of skill set. Release-wise, he's top two or three in the NFL. I tend to think Devontae Adams has the coldest releases in the NFL. Um, and that's just a personal opinion. People can disagree, and that's fine. But A.B. is right there in that, in that group with, you know, Adams, A.B., Odell Beckham, Nuke, uh, Hopkins, uh, Julio Jones, uh, Mike Thomas. So you have a, a, those group of, of guys. At the same time, you can motion A.B. and get him in the slot, which I think you're going to see a lot of him in the slot with mm-hmm. Williams on the outside and either if it's Ryan Grant or Doss makes the team or whoever else is, you know, is going to be on the outside. Now you've got A.B. on either a safety or a nickel corner, and he should kill them because he's killing the team's number one receivers. Not too many teams or not number one corners. Not too many teams are having their number one corner shadow him and will move him into the slot because a lot of guys can't play the slot. They're boundary corners because of size. Because yep. a lot of these teams want taller corners. So – He's going to have a huge year, and he's going to be used a lot like Tim Brown was, who was the go-to receiver in Gruden's offense the first time around when Gruden was the head coach of the Raiders. Yeah, he's just going to be moved around a lot. I mean, he really is. That's the thing about it is there's so much versatility because of the guy he is, and that's what I like, and I, I mentioned earlier in the show, that's what I like about Hunter Renfro. I think he's going to move around the, the formation a lot as well. I think uh, Tyrell Williams is going to be pre- predominantly a dude who's going to go deep. He's going to always stretch the field. He's going to be that guy. But A.B. is going to be moved around. Hunter Renfro is going to be moved around, you know, and there's going to be uh, multiple different formations you'll see him in and doing different things, and that is the beauty of it. And I think Antonio Brown knows that. He said himself, John Gruden pushes me every single day in practice. He pushes me every single day in the meeting room. He pushes me to be better, better, and better, better and stronger. That's what he did to Tim Brown. That's what he did to Jerry Rice. Look, he had Tim Brown and Jerry Rice on the roster at the same time, and he pushed the hell out of both those guys. Both those guys have gold jackets. You know what I mean? They could have looked at him and been like, man, who is this young cat trying to tell us what to do? We're going to do what we want to do. We already, you know, we already got our skins on the wall. Jerry Rice obviously had more than Tim Brown did. But at the same time, Tim Brown, like you said, was that dude. He was the dude when John Gruden had him the first time. And so, yeah, there's there's an opportunity for Antonio Brown to really thrive in this John Gruden offense. And, again, it all comes down to right now in the first stages of OTAs, like like Antonio Brown said the other day, they're learning everything right now. They're, they're getting the camaraderie with the guys. They're getting on the same page. He's been working to get on the same page with Derek Carr since he became a member of the Raiders. Hell, even before he became a member of the Raiders, the minute he touched down yep. in Oakland. That is something that's important because for this to work, and be successful, they all have to be on the same page. They all have to know what's going on. There can't be those moments where Derek Carr, you know, scrambles around the, in the backfield and then throws the ball deep and Antonio Brown quits on a route. Not that I think he'll ever quit on a route, but that was one of Derek Carr's interceptions that he threw when he was looking for Cooper deep. You know, he just, Coop just gave up because, oh, well, uh, yeah, I'm, he's not going to throw the ball, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. And he had the guys beat. He had a touchdown if he had, if he had kept running. But instead... He, he, he quit on the route. This is something that Antonio Brown's going to have to say, hey, I know that that guy, I know number four, he ain't giving up on no routes. And that's something that Antonio Brown thrives on. He thrives on that, uh, oh, man, damn it, it's Helter Skelter. Oh, he's back there scrambling. Let me let me uh, make myself available. That's something that he does really, really well. That's something that's going to have to be a priority for these wide receivers as well. When the play breaks down, who can make themselves available as a wide receiver? That's going to help this team make big strides moving forward. Well, I think that's scramble drill, and I think with scramble drill, one of the best to coach it is Edgar Bennett. He did it for years with the Packers, and now he's in his second year with the Raiders, and he's a phenomenal wide receiver coach. I mean, Greg Jennings, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, 
uh, Devontae Adams. Those are all guys that he's coached, and they've all been to Pro Bowls. They've all had a lot of success as a wide receiver, and scramble drill is a big part of it. And for the Raiders to have Edgar there and then have, a, have an Antonio Brown, have a Tyrell Williams, have a Hunter Renfro who understands how to play receiver, I even think Doss is going to be a guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go three wide. It's Doss, Williams, and, and A.B. in the slot. I think Doss is going to not only make the team, I think he'll be a starter by the end of the year. Um, when they, if they go to start off three wide or no tight end, or if they're going three wide with the fullback and a running back, however they want to do it, I think he's that type of talent. Um, and to get him as undrafted rookie is huge. But I'll go back to what I was saying. I, I agree. And I think that AB's not going to give up on plays. And you brought up Cooper. I find it funny now that the, Cowboys are struggling to find the, to reach common ground with Cooper on a deal, and they still have to sign Zeke. They still have to sign Dak and Jalen Smith, and the guy that's going to be left out, who I think is going to end up being a Raider, is Lyle Collins, and I think that's the guy that's going to be in their left guard after this season. I think the Raiders are going to drop big bucks for him. And and he's a, and he's in a, he's already in his second deal, but he's still young because he only his first deal. I mean, he was an undrafted rookie because yeah. of something that happened. Uh, they he was accused of something right the night of the first round of the draft. The guy was supposed to go in the first round, went undrafted. Dallas, you know, took a shot, signed up, find out the allegations, and it wasn't him, and it was false. And then the next year, signed to a pretty good deal, but everybody's coming up on that same deal now, that same time frame, and they're not they don't have the cap space to sign these guys. He's going to be the guy that's going to be, you know, be the one to walk away. I think he's the guy the Raiders are going to target. And then now you're going to have a young offensive line across the board, especially if they can re-sign Hudson. I, I, that's just me foreshadowing and me speculating. But it's just ironic that the Raiders have Antonio Brown doing everything he needs to do in camp, doing everything he needs to do off the field, on the field. And then Cooper is up to the same antics in Dallas, but people rave about him and what the Cowboys did with him. I just think it's asinine that people aren't ripping Cooper right now for what's happening. You're down there, so I don't know. They may be ripping Cooper down there. You know better than I do. But if I'm a Raider fan, I'm laughing to the bank. We got a better receiver that isn't going to cost as much after this season because Cooper's going to break the bank, supposedly, and he's a better teammate as well. No, they love it. It's it's funny, man. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, me being in Texas, man, they love it. They love them some Amari Cooper. They think he's the end-all, be-all because he came into the, the Cowboys organization and became that immediate number one guy. As far as I'm concerned, the whole time he was in Oakland, he was never the number one guy. I think Michael Crabtree was. Uh, you know, and, and Cooper was supposed to be the number one guy, but I don't think he ever was the number one guy. I mean, he made he, he might have had more yards per catch and stuff like that and, you know, had more of a explosive opportunity than Crabtree did just because Crabtree was older. But I think when it came to reliable and Derek Carr's number one guy, the go-to guy, I think that was more Crabtree than it was Cooper. But in Dallas, all of a sudden, Cooper became that guy. They became their, uh, you know, their, their savior, let's say it like that. And now, oh, yeah, man, Cowboy fans think he's the, the end-all, be-all. But the problem is, like you mentioned, they got to pay the dude. And I've been trying to tell them, and they, they oh, why would the Raiders let him go, Q? Why, oh, your team's stupid. Hey, look, man, you're going to have to pay that dude as a number one, number two wide receiver in the league. 
and I don't think he's the number one, number two wide receiver in the league. He's not Odell Beckham Jr. He's not Antonio Brown. He's not Mike Evans. He's not Mike Thomas. He's not DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I go on and on who he's not. I mean, he's Amari Cooper. He's a good wide receiver. I will say that. He's a good wide receiver. He's not a great wide receiver. He's just, well, he's just Amari Cooper. He's just good in my book. And again, yeah, Alvin Harper. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the problem is, if you look at the Cowboys roster, before they acquired Amari Cooper, who do they have? They had a bunch of guys that were nobodies. They they had, I mean, they had Michael Gallup, who they drafted, and that was a, a good guy in the third round, but he was a rookie. And then they thought that they were going to bring in a bunch of guys that were like a bunch of number twos and do it the Patriot way, and they were going to be fine. That didn't work out. So all of a sudden, Amari Cooper came in, and it's almost like being it's like being a fr- uh, a, a senior or a varsity a basketball player or a varsity football player and you're playing for the JV team. Yeah, you're going to shine. You're going to shine because you're better than the guys around you, but doesn't mean you're great. You know what I mean? Like, if that yep. makes sense, that's what he did. And so now they're going to have to pay him like he's Odell, like he's AB, like he's Julio Jones. He's not any of those guys, but he's going to get paid like him. And so I, I, I you know, I, I'm interested to see how it all shakes out. I've been saying for the longest, somebody's not going to get paid. It might be Byron Jones. It might be Zeke Elliott. Uh, it's not going to be Amari Cooper because they gave up a first-round draft pick for him, so they got to pay him. Lyle Collins, like you mentioned, I think that there's an opportunity, and this is just me throwing something out there. This is just me spitballing. I think there's an opportunity that Carl Joseph might get traded to the Cowboys at some point, and they trade him, like swap him straight up for Lyle Collins. They're both in the last year of their deal. They both, you know, could be free agents at the end of the year, and I don't know if either one of them fit with the team that they're in right now. I don't think that they're going to pay Lyle. I would Lyle. do that in a heartbeat. I would, too. I, I think Lyle Collins. In a I would, too. I don't think Lyle Collins is going to get paid by the Cowboys, like you said. And I don't think Carl Joseph is going to be around with the Raiders for very long, even though he started to show a little bit of signs at the end of 2018. Started to look a little bit better. I think that they're ready to move on from Oh, by the way, he's a Joel Siegel agent, as, uh, client as well. So that's also something to, to, to think about, even though I think Cleveland Farrell is a, uh, is a Joel Siegel agent, too, or client as well. But either yeah, way. And it. And not to interrupt, but Siegel and Gruden had dinner at the Combine, and things got ironed out. Right. So fans know. So there really isn't any bad blood or any ill will between Gruden, Delaney, Danny Ventrelli, uh, Mayock, and Siegel. There really isn't any, even Mark Davis and Siegel. Um, But I would agree, and I'll say this, I'd offer a third for Collins right now, and I'll lock him in if I'm the Raiders. That would be me. If I'm if I'm being one of us, I think he could be the most dominant guard in the game. I think he's that damn good, and I would do that in a heartbeat. But I don't think Dallas is in that mode because I think they think they can win the AFC, the the NFC East. Which I mean, that's all that that's a coin flip every single year. Um, but I agree with you 100 percent of what you're saying. I can name off the top of my head eight receivers that are better than Cooper. And I'll even throw Juice Landry ahead of Cooper, yep. to be honest with you. And you can make the argument that uh, 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 what's the other receiver's name in Atlanta? Uh, Riley. Um, oh yeah, uh, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. I think he's better than Cooper. I think he, when it comes to being a technician, so you you could put receivers ahead of Cooper. But if you're looking at receivers in the NFL, in no order, you have A.B., Julio, Devontae Adams, Nuke, Mike Thomas, Odell, if he stays healthy, uh, Mike Evans. You could throw uh, uh, Diggs and Thielen in there from Minnesota. You have Juice Landry, again, uh, Calvin Ridley, 
I mean, there's a bunch of guys that are there before you, you could put ahead of Cooper. And all of them, for the most part, are getting paid more, except for Ridley. They're all getting paid more. And he's going to out-earn a few of those guys just because Dallas is going to overpay for him this offseason. Yeah, so, I agree. I agree 100%. It, it's going to be interesting how it shakes out. It is. And speaking of the offseason, now one of the things that fans love is hard knocks. Um, full disclosure, my brother was in the very first hard knocks with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he, Tyron Brackenridge, he had a big-ass afro, and he was doing the, the Irish jig and all kinds of river dancing and stuff on there. And and I got different opinions about hard knocks, and we'll get into hard knocks right now. But is it inevitable that the Raiders will be on hard knocks this year? I don't think they will be, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, the teams involved, and I think it comes down to really three teams, and that's the Redskins, the Raiders, and the Giants. I think those are the three teams that the NFL is really looking at. The Raiders are ready made for it. You have two TV, former TV personalities that run your team ready to go with Mayock and Gruden. So they're, they're going to be camera ready. You already have stars in Carr, in Antonio Brown. Those, are guys, those guys love to run their mouths. They love to be in front of the camera. You already have stars that are there. It's the last season in Oakland for sure. And it, it would be an interesting dynamic. But that's the reason why I don't think the Raiders will be on hard knocks. Because why would the NFL want to highlight the last season in Oakland when they can highlight the first season in Vegas? And it's Vegas. You have new facilities the new stadium. You could talk about the draft that would be that's going to be held there next April. You'll have that there. You'll have the excitement of the city versus the, you know, the depression and really the the, the sad feelings of the people of Oakland that want the Raiders stay with them with them leaving. And I and, and I feel horrible for those people. So, I think it makes more sense for the Raiders in 2020 to be on hard knocks. And the NFL has to take a shot because let's say the Raiders do make the playoffs. Right. Then they won't be on it. But assuming they don't, I think it makes more sense for the Raiders to be in hard knocks 2020 and a team like the Redskins who really, especially with their team president, uh, I'm drawing a blank with his name now. And I Daniel Snyder? No, Bruce Allen. Oh, Bruce Allen, yeah. Bruce Allen hates, hates TV cameras and reporters at practice. He's like his daddy wants it all done in secrecy. I think it's more interesting to have the Redskins on there and the dysfunction going on in Washington than it would be having the Raiders in their final season on hard knocks in the city of Oakland. Well, everything that I've read is that the Redskins are the favorites right now, but I, I mean, for every reason that you mentioned about the Raiders, it, it's hard for me to believe that they won't pick the Raiders because what if the, you know, what if the possibility of them accidentally sneaking into the playoffs happens and then they don't get them in 2020 either? Then all of a sudden they're out, you know, they're asked out on that. So I don't know, man. I mean, I, I don't want them on hard knocks. I'll be the first to say it. I do not want them on hard knocks at all. I want nothing to do with them being uh, in front of cameras and have cameras going on at all times, even though I've been told many, many times by the great John McClain that, hey, Q, you'll love it. Uh, it's great. They they really bring a great insight, and, and a lot of the players don't even notice the cameras. I'm not buying that when you got Antonio Brown. You got uh, you know, you got Richie Incognito, you got John Gruden, you got Meg Mayock, you got uh, Vontez Burfitt, you got all these guys. They're gonna notice the cameras, in my opinion. And so I just kind of don't want that. I want them to focus on getting better, being a, a really good team. And so I, I hope it doesn't happen. But 
I think that if they were to pick them, it wouldn't be like, why would you do that? You know, I mean, because all the ingredients are there. All the ingredients are there for great drama. But uh, the reasons that you you pointed out for them not to be there also make a lot of sense. I'm just interested to see exactly what they decide to do. Uh, it's actually kind of strange in my in my feeling that they haven't announced it already. Who's going to be on Hard Knocks? Usually, I believe uh, by this time last year it was already announced who was going to be on it. That it was going to be uh, the Cleveland Browns. And so far this year, it hasn't been announced. So I'm very interested to see what direction they decide to go. I think that they're negotiating with the teams to see what they can get and what they can and and whatnot. Um, I'm torn on it because, again, my brother being on it, they followed him to go look for apartments. I mean, he became one of the people that became a celebrity on it, and people knew him. He made the team as an undrafted rookie, started, and there was there was – one thing in particular, and I'll share the story. Uh, if you go back and look at the very first season of Hard Knocks, uh, it's the final episode, and he, he partially tore his peck. And he went over to Gunther Cunningham, God rest his soul, and he was like, why aren't you practicing today, Brad? And he goes, oh, I am. I just got this brace on. I, I partially tore the, my peck. And Cunningham was like, give me your hand. And he put it in between his shoulder joint and his peck and said, you feel that dent right there, that divot? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I tore mine back in like 69 or whatever, they didn't do surgery and this is how it healed. And, and my brother said that, you know, Hey, I got to practice. I got to play in week four because, you know, I'm fighting to make the team and Herm Edwards, God bless him said, you don't have to play. You don't have to practice. Don't worry about it. And he's like, no coach. I need to. I'm going to make teams. Like I told you youngster, don't worry about it. And he didn't realize until after the fact that was Herm's way of saying, you made the team already. Don't even worry about it. And that's all on hard knocks. The fact you see the locker room camaraderie, you've seen Larry Johnson sign his contract after he held out and run out to the field and the reaction of the teammates. There's parts of hard knocks that I really like. The Cleveland one was really well done. I feel like this, though. That part's cool, but those coaches' meetings and when they're cutting players, I wouldn't want that out there if I was a player. I wouldn't want that out there if I was a coach. Because look at what happened with with Hugh Jackson and, and, and Todd Haley, there became, you know, well, there's friction between it. Now they don't get along. That doesn't need to be public consumption. That doesn't need to be out there for the public. I believe that the, the, the curtain is there, and I think it need, the curtain needs to be up unless you're a media member or a player, an agent, someone affiliated with the team, that the general public doesn't need to know what's behind the curtain. They don't need to see Oz. They need to see the product because – and this tends, for me, it just tends to lead to a different, a different vibe. Everybody wants to be an insider. Everybody wants to be an expert. And part of that has to do with Twitter as well and social media where everybody's an expert. Everybody has a podcast. Everybody has their opinion, and they know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that this is what's happening. And you don't. Unless you're actually there or you really, truly have sources, you don't know what's going on. Exactly. It's second, third-hand information. And I think – so I'm torn on hard knocks. I watch it every year. But I don't know if it's good exposure for the team. Not not this year. I, I really think that next year, 2020, would be a better year for them. I mean, hell, Q, let's be real. You, me, and, and Nick Hamilton, we're, we're, we're going to Raiders training camp this year. And – you know, we'll probably have cameos and quick glimpses of us on hard knocks, like, you know, in media scrums and talking to players or whatever. 
I don't care about that. I'd rather wait till they're in Vegas where I think it's a bigger story. Washington makes the most sense to me. I just I just don't think it'll be cool for the Raiders to be on it this year. I just that's just my opinion. And don't forget, you got incognito, A B, perfect. I think Cleveland Farrell and John Abram are would be fantastic in front of the camera. And then some of these young guys, like a Keyshawn Nixon is a hilarious dude. He gets in front of the camera and you see his personality, he becomes a fan favorite. But I just don't necessarily think that it's it's good for the team this year to be in front of the camera, not with everything else going on. Oh, I hope you're right, because I really don't want them to be in front of the camera. Like I said, man, my biggest thing is I do not want them to be on uh, Hard Knocks at all. I want them to have an opportunity to try to gel as a team, and this is a very important year. This is very important for Derek Carr. This is very important for AB. I mean, it's a lot riding on a lot of things, man. I mean, there's a lot riding for John Gruden. If, if things don't look like they're headed in the right direction, there could be a major problem. I mean, honestly, there could be a major problem, even though it's only year two. You want to talk about yeah, all the scrutiny? Two. You know what I'm saying? You're getting a lot of scrutiny already. If, if this team doesn't look like it's headed in the right direction by the end of this year, then all of a sudden you want to talk about people talking, then there's going to be some real cats talking. So I'm just hoping that they're able to focus and do their thing this year. If they have to be on hard knocks at some point, fine. Let it be next year. I'm okay with that. But I, I just do not want to see it happen this year. I think if they were on this year, hypothetically, I'm going to flip the positive side of it, people would see a different dynamic when it comes to Gruden. And I don't think they would – he's old, his offense is inundated and, or antiquated and, and old, and they don't know what they're doing. Like, I don't think you'll, you won't see that side of it. And I think – who was it? I think it was Vic before tweeted out yesterday, it's too bad we can't record – what goes on at practice because Gruden is in rare form today. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. That was good. That would be funny to see and to hear, you know, in front of a camera. But I think, again, 2020 makes more sense. Um, But let me ask you this. What's your favorite Hard Knocks moment or favorite season? I'm not going to lie to you, man. I've never watched the show. I've never one time watched the show. As much as I love the NFL, I've never one time watched the show. I always felt like it's not my place to know everything. I don't have to know everything. I don't need to see, like you mentioned earlier, I don't need to see everybody getting cut. I don't need to, I don't need to go behind the scene of everything. I, 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 I know when training camp's over and the 53-man roster comes out, I know who made the team. I know who didn't make the team. I don't need to see some dude who's been busting his tail all summer to uh, get cut at the last minute, even though he, he's been doing everything that he needs to do. I, I've never in my life watched it, I promise you. And so that's well, something that people that know me really, really well and know how much I love the NFL, and you know me as well, that I, I, I love the NFL. I've never, ever watched the show. Well, I'm talking about, okay, so you haven't, but you've seen clips and parts of it as far as you have to have when people tweet it out like this part of hard knocks or you know this part like, yeah but i don't, don't, don't i've never i've never paid attention to it though i mean i'll see something whatever even even me being in central texas and, and the browns were on it last year Corey coleman was a member of, of the browns at the time when he was on hard knocks he went to baylor so that's a team that you know my radio station covers and even then they're like oh my god there's a big scene with Corey coleman you got to watch it i still didn't watch it because i just didn't care and then obviously we played the we played the audio on the air just to hear him talking to the coach and everything and then it just it it didn't it didn't move me. Now if the Raiders are on it, I'll watch it because as uh, somebody who who cares about the Raiders, I'll definitely watch it and pay attention. But I've never ever 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 even wanted to look at it. So uh, again, I hope that the streak goes continues where I don't have to watch it because they're not on it. Well, 
I'll take my brother's year aside because that's my favorite year because my brother was on there. And that, that makes um, sense. And, and, it, and, it, and to me, I mean, it was fascinating because I would call him after the show aired and I would just give him the business. But there is a negative side to it, and I will say this. After that rookie season, he went out with some teammates to a club in Kansas City. It was, I think, right after the, the final game of the year that year. And some dudes were in the club, that, and they weren't too happy that some of the Chiefs players were in there. And my brother at the time, he, he had his hair in corn rolls. And uh, he went to the bar to get a drink, and he went back to the area, and he was like, damn, these guys, you know, staring at some people over here tough, man. Like, oh, damn, something about the pop. And he's sitting there, and he's drinking a drink, and people around him, and the guys start walking closer his way, and he's like, man, they, they really like they about to come do something. They really about to chunk them in here. And that issue with him, I think because one of the dude's girlfriends thought he was sexy off and cute off of what his, his attitude and off hard knocks. And my brother's not an ugly dude by any means. And they end up getting into a fight, and, you know, he, he you know, didn't let him punk him. And he ends up getting into a fight, and it was some other Chiefs players involved, and security throws him out the club, and he goes back to his – he had a, an avalanche at the time, and he put, hit the push to start. And as he's about to get in, somebody – like grabbed him by his shoulder and spun him around and pistol whipped him, or actually told him to get to get to get on the ground. And he goes, "On oh, my mama, you're not, you're not, you're not. If you're gonna shoot me, you're gonna shoot me right here. I'm not getting on the ground." And he repeated, and he said, "If you're gonna shoot me and kill me, then you need to do it while I'm standing up. I ain't getting on the ground." Well, the guy pistol whipped him and broke his jaw. He had to drive himself to the hospital, get emergency surgery on his jaw. It was almost like a Kanye West type thing where he had to get a wired shut. Yeah, yeah. And but that was that's a deterrent for hard knocks because now people see you and think that you're this guy and you got all this wealth when the reality is you're an undrafted rookie. You make a pretty decent living, but you don't have money like they think you have. So there's that side of it as well. That's a negative side. And I wouldn't hate for that to happen to anybody else. Thankfully, my brother was unharmed and he, he had a very good, um, 12 year, 12, 13 year career in the NFL and the CFL won a great cup. Now he's coaching with the Toronto Argonauts for, for the third straight year, won a great cup up there as a coach, as well as one as a player with Saskatchewan. But I think my favorite year was probably last year with the Cleveland Browns. And that's just because you have the personalities of Baker Mayfield and juice Landry. And there's a few other guys on the team that really made it interesting, but there's the whole bless them from Landry. I thought that was just the funniest thing. And to hear kids in high school say it versus, you know, like, oh, I made the catch. Oh, bless them. It's like, really? Like, man, you guys watch too much TV. But yeah. that part was really cool. So I, I really think that uh, in that case, you know, that was probably, you know, but I, I really like it at times, but. You know, again, I don't think it all. Again, the, the curtain doesn't always need to be pulled back. Uh, Q, we're, we're running short on time, so we're just going to answer one email question, and it's from our, our guy Sean Siegel. He uh, says, "Hey guys, uh, now that Incognito signing is official, what other positions do you see the Raiders making a late offseason addition to before training camp?" I'll let you go ahead and and, and answer that one first. Well, I think it's it's really uh, pretty simple. If if Darren Waller doesn't step up at the tight end position, if he isn't not the guy, if they 
see throughout the you know training camp and, and preseason that he's really not taking the steps and the strides that they think he is, what he's doing right now in OTAs, then I think that they have to make a move for a tight end because right now, as far as I'm concerned, that's the weakest link on the team, the tight end position, because you just don't know. It's a big question mark. I mean, you got Darren Waller there who they're pretty excited about, they're fired up about. They got some other guys there that can that could be blocking tight ends. They, uh, they drafted Foster Moreau. That's a guy I'm excited about, but he's a tight end. He's a rookie, and that's a hard position to all of a sudden go ahead and pick up as a rookie in the NFL. So I don't expect him to have a big first year. I do think kind of like what Mike Mayock said, he's a foundational piece. He'll be a guy that they can rely on later on. I just don't know how much impact he's going to have right away. So I honestly think the tight end position is probably the biggest question personally. And someone asked me this on Twitter the other day. I, I said, I would have loved to see the Raiders go ahead and, uh, and uh, uh, keep Jared cook and then still have the guys that they have and, and, and have these younger guys learn under them. And, and, you know, I know the argument is, well, then they don't get as many reps. You know, you're right. But at the same time, they see how it's done by a guy who's been there in the league for quite a while. He's a professional. He's thriving in the system. And it would have been nice to kind of learn from who, who's in front of him. But I get it, man. They're going to kind of throw him in the, in the water and let him just try to sink or swim. And so we'll see what happens. But I think at some point the tight end position will be addressed if Darren Waller doesn't take off. I would say that's the one position that needs to be addressed. Um, we'll see if Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings get a deal done. I'm sticking by my guns. That's a guy I said to keep an eye on, uh, not just for the Raiders, but the Patriots and a few other teams. I could see something in the next few weeks happening there. Uh, if they want to go that route, I could really see, honestly, maybe another linebacker and maybe a running back depending on who it is. I mean, you you have the rookie with, with you know, with, with J.J., you have Doug Martin, you have Richard, you have Washington, and you have Warren. But let's be real, Warren hasn't done anything, even in college, he's been injured. And the old analogy, there's two analogies that scouts say, you know, the best ability is availability. Yep. And he hasn't had that at, at both levels. And then that goes to the second saying is, if they're hurting college, they're going to be hurting the pros. Yep. And you've seen that with Warren already. Uh, Washington really hasn't done anything since his rookie year. It's kind of been a disappointment, if we're going to be very honest. He's going to get cut. He ain't going to be around. Right. So that leads me to think that, you know, the Raiders will keep three running backs and two fullbacks, if I'm projecting. And they just released a fullback today, the fullback from Marshall. So I would say that if they feel that Doug Martin isn't a good enough backup and somebody – that's decent becomes available for whatever reason. If the team has a surprise cut or whatever, or whatever the case may be, I can see that happening. I can see a linebacker again, opening up if they feel like Coney isn't going to be a guy that's going to make the team, which I highly doubt. I think he makes the team, but maybe someone to back up perfect considering his injury history. I can see something there and, and maybe even a safety. I mean, let's say that they do, like you said, you know, you're spitballing, you know, when you said they could trade Cujo, you know, for Lyle Collins, well, now you're going to need a safety there. Eric Berry's still out there. Now, he's an older guy, but he also is a veteran. He's a leader. He's a guy that understands the game. Those are the type of guys that Gruden loves. And I can see him being a guy that they could potentially have interest in down the road. I'm not saying they do by any means, but if we're just throwing, you know, crap against the wall and hoping it sticks, there, there's a couple names in there. But I would think tight end being, to me, their biggest need, I would say that. And I, I, 
if what I heard was true the other day about Cook, I'm not surprised that he's not back. And I, I won't get into that because I have a lot of respect for Jared Cook as as a man and as a ball player. But if what I heard was true, I can see why the Raiders decided to move on from Cookie. And uh, so it is what it is. But that that would be, I guess, tight end, maybe safety, a linebacker, a running back. But in in again, the right positions of need, I think that that's the way it is. Yeah, you know, tight end, safety, and then you know, linebacker, and then a running back. Yeah, and I think tight end uh, is number one. I think that's numero uno, Absolutely. and it's not even close. You know, what I mean, like that's going to be the biggest question moving forward. If Waller could take a step, then hey, you got a gem, you got a diamond in the rough. But if he can't, then all of a sudden you're in trouble. Yeah, and and and. I want to see him in pads, and I want to see him not running around in shorts and shells. Yep. And you, you, we got to see them producing games, not even just preseason games. So that is it. Well, that is also it for the show this week. Yes, we don't have a three-hour long show. We are actually under a mandate to keep the show under an hour and change. So we went we went over it by a little bit, but not too much. Keep it locked and loaded for. Silver and Black Turf, Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter. Nick actually has George Lopez on the show. Uh, huge Raider fan, comedian, actor, my Latino brother. So when it comes to that, George Lopez on Silver and Black Turf with Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter, that should be up. We appreciate you guys joining in and listening to all the shows on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. In particular, we love you listening to Q&A. So, for Q, man, I appreciate you, man. We made a short today so you can get home and, and watch some Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, right. All I care about is the is the finals, the NBA finals coming up. That's all I care about watching in the next few days. That's all I care about. Who you got? Real quick, who you got? Come on, man. Who I got? I'm a Bay dude. I'm dubs all day, baby. Okay, how many how many games? Dubs in six. I got dubs in five. Okay. So, I mean, I wanted Milwaukee to go all the way, but, yeah, thanks for that incredible choke job after being up 2-0 <laughs> anyway <laughs> and I thought they would give the Warriors a better matchup than Toronto and I don't like Drake's antics in fact I'm anti-Drake so no no whatever. hey look man it's all in the Bay I can't wait till they get back to the Bay they're starting out in Toronto but when they get to the Bay Mr. FAB uh, E40 Hammer I mean all the Bay man all the Bay cats are going to be there at ring or not ringside but courtside it's going to be awesome I cannot wait because I'm sorry Drake might sell a lot of records but them cats go hard in the Bay so uh, yeah Buckle up, Drake. Get ready. Well, I'm going to say, G-E-Z, all in cash. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, all right. So, we're up out of here. Thank you for listening to Q&A with your boy Q and me, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation.